Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Baby Zero Season 2 Episode 40 starts right now. Sorry, I was just putting something correct that I realized we clicked the wrong link. We wanted to make sure that we had the right link out there to get the audience growing, and now it seems like the right link is out there. I'm your host, Brandon Davis, and we have a mega show today. Jamie, what's up? Welcome to the show. Oh my god, I'm so hyped for today. We have Aaron Perrine here. Biggest show ever potentially ever. today ever yeah the history of shows I'm like, history show of shows. Ever. this is it this is the one you want to be on oh my god Jenna anderson i am so excited oh my god like <laughs> this is gonna be amazing i'm so happy <laughs> welcome welcome to phase your everybody we have a massive massive show today uh we're gonna talk about she hulk and werewolf by night our reactions detailed breakdowns all that stuff just the hosts on next week's show, because this week we have a two-time Academy Award winner in the house. We have an Emmy Award winner in the house to talk about Werewolf by Night, to talk about She-Hulk. And we're just going to start right in. We're going right into Werewolf by Night with director Michael Giacchino. Michael, bring him out. There he is. Hey, here I am. How you doing? How's everybody? Good, Thank you for joining us. Um, as far as I know, I've only won one Academy Award. But if if, hey, if, 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 if there's another one floating around out there with my name on it, I'll uh, I'll give you the address. You can forward it. <laughs> Hold on. Here's the thing. I wasn't 100% sure. I'm not going to lie. And then I, I double-checked this morning on your IMDb profile. Yeah. It said two. So I'm Yeah, well, IMDb is famously known for being correct. <laughs> famously known for being the most accurate website known to man. And, uh, yeah, I can't. Yeah. Anyway. The second Academy doing? Award is, is is on the way. It, it's in. Yeah. It's it, it'll be there. <laughs> World by day. Yeah. All right. All right. Listen, we got to talk about it. First of all, I want to start where by night talking about the reactions to this. People are loving it. You know, when you're working on it for so long, you can't say a word about it. You finally get to share it with the world. How's it feel to have it out there? It feels amazing because it was terrifying. You know, on the eve of it going out to the world, you're always terrified because you're like, oh my god, I just spent you know three and a half, four years, whatever, on this thing. What if they hate it? What if they hate it? You know, but the only thing you can go by is like, well, I kind of like it. I had fun doing it. There's a lot of things I would do differently if I could do it all over again. But I don't know. I'm just happy they like it. I'm happy they're having fun. I'm happy they get it. I'm happy that it's a sort of a, a new sort of direction for things that we can enjoy. So, you know, I'm just just happy all the way around. Now, I, I, this was one that like everybody was like, is it just going to show up on Disney Plus and they're never going to say a word about it? And then yeah. finally at D23, you guys announced it officially. I remember before D23, you and I did an interview for Lightyear. Yeah. And I asked you what the experience was like. And I, I didn't realize it at the time, but I think it was the first time you had said anything about the product. And all you said was like, we had a good time. Yeah, you know? I, yeah, I know. And that got picked up and went everywhere. He had fun. if i got you in trouble i want to apologize but i also no it didn't get me in trouble it's fine i mean look the world knew something was going on you know but no one really knew what so you were fine perfect was the was the was the direction to that point like hey we're just we're keeping it a secret yeah the idea was to hold it kind of as close as we could uh until d23 you know because it was that felt right it was it was close enough to October where it felt, you know, like, okay, we're starting to get into that fun, spooky spirit. And let's, uh, you know, that would be the best time to, to, to let everyone know. But, but, you know, for the past couple of years, it's just been like, I can't tell anyone. I can't say anything, you know, I mean, other than my family and closest friends. And I was just like being on an Island for a bit, but, but it like, as I said, it was a blast. I did have a blast making this. And here we are. Yep. 
here we are. Look at us. Who would Look have at us. Look at us. <laughs> oh, we did it, everyone. Congratulations. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> so speaking of like being on an island or being isolated, uh, there's no <laughs> person I think that we'd all want to be isolated more than with our buddy Ted. Uh, oh. Everybody loves Man Thing. Jamie is celebrating up there. She she wa- She's waiting for them to sell the plushes at uh, Avengers Campus. <laughs> um, the set photos seem to show us that there might have been like practical effects to help bring man thing to life yeah one of the things when i started this was i wanted to do as many practical effects as i could you know i grew up watching old universal monster movies uh you know kaiju movies out of japan i loved ultraman i loved you know uh everything poltergeist has these beautiful practical effects all of these movies that did that i loved and i wanted to try and do as much as we could with that so when it started out i was like Werewolf got to be practical. Everything's got to be as practical. Let's build a man thing. <laughs> how far we can get with that. And the the folks at K and B, you know, uh, effects studio, they, they 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 did the most incredible job. They built a life size man thing. It was completely animatronic, and its eyes moved, and its eyes glowed red, and its you know all of this stuff was mo- it's like crazy. And the hands were all motorized, like you know, it was crazy. Now. It was mostly so that we could have something on set for the actors to work with. I didn't want a guy with a tennis ball on the end of a stick saying, here's the you know, monster, Here, look at this up here. I, I just didn't want that. I wanted them to be able to kind of really engage with the character because I knew how important that character of Man-Thing was going to be. So it needed to feel like they could actually relate to him and, and, and be with him in the same space. So we built all of that. And then our incredible visual effects crew sort of went over that with their incredible effects and they sort of brought it to life in a whole way. But to have that physical representation on set was so valuable because it gave us all the lighting information we need, all the movement information we need. Um, and Carrie Jones, who who played Man-Thing, was in this giant suit running around on set. And, you know, I mean, when, we, when, when Lara is talking with Man-Thing, he's there in front of her. So it was really just helpful. And so... That was the one area that was a real combo of uh, practical and digital. Uh, but most everything else was very practical, um, you know, that we did. So, and that was like a dream come true for me because that's what I love doing. I was making movies since I was nine years old, doing, trying to recreate effects like that with, 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 with a much, much, much lower budget uh, and, <laughs> and, and, and crew members who were as clueless as I was in terms of how to do that. But so to have experts and do all of that with you, that was, that was just a dream. It was great. We also were trying to have a man thing co-host, but it wasn't in the phase zero budget. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it turns out it's expensive, <laughs> but he's great. Like I, the fact that people are receiving him as a person is is exactly was the intent to say that monsters aren't monsters you know in the in the pure definition of the word we we label them monsters the way we label anyone who is different in our society uh, you know it's this awful awful thing humans do they tend to want to if they see something that's different in front of them they tend to want to uh, destroy it or get rid of it in some way and you see it all the time today in our world, no matter what, people are afraid to be who they really are. And this was a story about people just being who they are. And that's OK. And I feel like, you know, if you're different, awesome. That's a superpower to me. And if the more different people we have in the world, the better place this is. And that's the story I wanted to tell. So seeing Man-Thing embraced the way he has been embraced is just so encouraging and so wonderful. And uh, hopefully that continues. That's amazing. So first off, I know we're a Marvel show, but thank you for writing the best Batman theme ever. I just have to take that out. I did it for you. All for you. I'm going to I'm going to cherish that for the rest of my life. That's going to be on my gravestone, honestly. Um, and also, thank you for introducing Elsa Bloodstone in live action as a fan of her in the comics. I know she has such a specific and kind of multifaceted history. What yeah. was most important to you kind of in the process of bringing her into the MCU? You know, when you see Elsa in the com, I love that character, but when you see her in the comics, it's really this hypersexualized version of this person with shotguns and all of this. And I was just like, yeah. And when we started this project, I was like, Kevin, I, I don't want any guns in this. No guns. You know, I, I think we can tell a story without guns. 
we don't need him. And I certainly don't want Elsa to be the kind of character that's just like a gun toting, you know, you, you know, you know what I mean? I was just like, so against that. And I wanted her to be uh, like badass, of course, but I wanted her to be smart. I wanted her to be vulnerable. I just wanted her to be a real person. And Laura Donnelly embodies all of that in spades. You know, she is just the most incredible actress when you just put her in front of the camera and you feel like you're watching an old 1930s movie star. She is somebody that can just captivate the whole room by just a look, you know? And, and so with Elsa, I just, again, in the same way with Ted, I just wanted a real person. I wanted them all to feel like real people that you could relate to in one way or another. I wanted them to show that they had problems. I wanted them to show that they were upset about something. I wanted her to be able to see, you want to see in her face that this is going to be a really hard night for her to come back to this family after all of these years. And, and there's a look that she gives in the hallway after Verusa dresses her down that says it all. And, and, and so it was about sort of zeroing in on someone who could do that. And Laura did it and killed it in my opinion. Uh, it's so great to hear about you talk about these characters. They you, they were in such good hands. It's so clear. Uh, and there, but there is one character uh, that we didn't see. Uh, you know, we got to ask. Moon Knight did originate in a Werewolf by Night comic. Were there ever any plans to to feature him uh, in the was, special? No, no, there was never any plans to do that. Because look, he was in two two issues of Werewolf by Night in the initial <laughs> run. You know, in the initial run, he shows up later, much later, I think, in the eighties as well. But. Um, it wasn't about him. You know what I mean? This was not yeah. about him. And, and it was about these three new characters. And you, it's, very, it's hard enough to bring in a character into the MCU, but to bring bringing in three characters into the MCU, I wanted to be very, very careful about how we did that. And if we would have then shoved Moon Knight in, it just sort of takes the spotlight away from what we were trying to do. I love Moon Knight. Moon Knight's awesome. I think it's great. And he still exists. He's still part of everything. And just because we don't see him doesn't mean we're taking something from anyone. I, I, it's so interesting how people are always looking for these connections. And I really wanted to do something that was n not connected on screen, you know, off screen. Yes. They're in the same universe. They all live in the same world. They're doing their thing. But I was like, let's just make this about this night. Let's learn about a night in the life of Jack and Elsa, you know, and see what that's like. And then it's uh, that once we get to know them, then we'll, we'll see what happens. Who knows? I think, I think that's, I, listen, nobody loves connectivity more than I do, but what I love most about this is you just had its own story start to finish and it let the characters breathe and really be introduced really nicely. And I applaud you for that. And thank you for that, man. Uh, I, a lot, some characters were not breathing by the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have heard, you know, we've all kind of got our theories that you got away with some extra violence because it was in black and white. It was a bit more than we usually see from Marvel. I mean, an arrow through the chin and then the mouth and then the hand cut off and stuff. Did you got, was there ever any, was there ever a moment where anybody came down and was like, all right, all right, Michael, we're going a little too far. Or was it like, don't, no, just go, no, go for it. No. Uh, in fact, like things like the severed arm, I mean, that was like a, an idea I had like a day before shooting that scene. I was like, wait, can we sever his arm? And then next thing you know, we're rushed down to the prop house. Let's see, do we have any arms lying around? Can we make this work? You know, uh, we weren't going to do it digitally. We knew we were going to have to do it in camera. Um, so a lot of those ideas were very spur of the moment when, when um, the character played by Eugenie, she, the, the woman in white, you know, she is the tall hunter. <clears throat> when that sword comes down, you know, that that even that was like in the moment, like, oh, wait, now that I see that the sword's going to hit her head, why don't we just give it an extra neck twist, you know, break the neck as well. Oh, by the way, wait, 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 let's just keep filming and let her just fall out of frame. So a lot of that was improvised, you know, on the spot. No one ever said no. And the joke became, you know, when people would be showing me things, how's this look? I'd be like, can we? And they were like, I know more blood. We get it. We get it. More blood, you know? And I just kept saying, yes, more blood, more this, more that let's, let's break limbs. Let's, let's have some fun with this. <laughs> I felt like these were all characters that we'd be happy to see, uh, you know, removed from the planet. And so let's do it in a style that would be uh, really crazy to watch, but no one ever said no. I think, you know, it, and it wasn't a foregone conclusion that this was going to be in black and white in the very beginning. It was something I wanted. Zoe and I, Zoe White, the cinematographer and I, we both wanted this to be in black and white. But we knew we, we had to shoot it in color. 
And then it was something we were going to have to sort of, you know, present later and, and, and ask for. So we had a black and white monitor on the side so that I could see and make sure that everything was the way it needed to be. And Zoe was really an, the most amazing cinematographer. I thought she did a beautiful job capturing all of this. Um, and uh, so we, it wasn't until about the third cut of the, of the show where we sat down, we showed it to Kevin and Kevin, after it was over, we showed it in black and white and he looked at me and he goes, I guess this needs to be in black and white, doesn't it? And I was like, yes, it does. And, and from then on, it was just full on. But uh, I'm, I'm sure that the, the black and white did help us in the ratings area. For sure. Now, any, yeah. anytime we hear anything about Kevin after today's She-Hulk, we're all going to have even more questions. But uh, we'll get to that in the second half of the show. Uh, I want to say, I know it sounds like you know you really dove into the comics with this, and it, there's a bunch of stuff on the walls and all all sorts of yes. hidden little details in there. Uh, if we were to look at that in the Bloodstone Mansion, you think we catch any you know Marvel monsters references that you're waiting for us to find, whether it's Manphibian, uh Sasquatch, anything that you were like, you know what, this is a fun thing. This is a Thing yeah. I enjoyed from the book. It's all, I in, there. Throw it. it's all nice. in there. Yeah, yeah. Have fun with that. Go, go. Try and well, it's interesting because you never get a full view of that thing. Um, I, at some point, I'll probably try and release images of the actual uh, full fresco. It's it, it was really beautiful and was based on the Bayou tapestries in in France that are sort of like these recounting of war that happened with them and the Normans and 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 uh, you know um, and. I will, I remember seeing that in person and I was just like, this is incredible. Cause it's like this visual history of what happened uh, during this time period. And I thought, wouldn't that be fun to do, but with monsters, you know? Uh, so, so we did that and, and the artists did the most incredible job on that. And when you walk through that hallway, that was one of the first things I saw on set when I got there and, and just walking through that hallway and seeing that on either side, you really felt this, intimidating kind of feel like this squeeze of history that you were walking through and it was all very scary. But yeah, if you look at, look at that in detail, you'll, you'll see lots of fun things, including Sasquatch. Yes. I was just going to say, if you decide you want to release those images and you'd rather have like a really awesome podcast group, do it, than do it yourself. <laughs> like, you know, we're here. You can <laughs> <laughs> do that and then go through each thing one by one. Sure. <laughs> So we, we heard a little about Man Thing and Elsa, but but you know we got to talk Jack a little bit, um, yeah. and that that epic transformation. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know that's an interesting. You know that was one of the first shots I had in my head that I knew I wanted to do, and that 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 took a lot of prep to make work. Um, first off, Gael is the greatest in the world, right? Like uh, when I was first. <clears throat> told that, yes, okay, we're going to move forward with this. From day one, the only only person I had in my head to play uh, Jack was Gael. You know, I just thought that I love the humanity he brings to everything he does. He has such this incredible, empathetic faith. And in some ways, like Laura, he does feel like a classic movie star when he's on camera, you know. Uh, and he's funny. And he's personable and he's just everything I want in in uh, a character. You know, he's everything I want in this someone who would be opposite of what the werewolf would be. You know, I didn't want like a big tough guy who was already sort of big and tough and then just gets hulks out and gets even bigger. I was like, no, I don't want that. And I don't want the werewolf to get giant. I, I, I want him just to be Gael on both sides. But the personality is the thing that's very different. So, uh Thankfully, I got on a Zoom with him and we had worked on Coco together. So we, we knew each other a little bit. Um, and I, he had no idea what we were going to talk about. And I told him about this whole thing and asked him. He immediately was just like, yes, yes. And he was so happy that he didn't have to wear a cape or some sort of weird suit or something like that. He was that was made him very happy. Um, but uh, yeah, guy, the transformation was one of those uh, shots from the very beginning. I knew I wanted to do. I had kept thinking like how am I ever going to do a werewolf transformation that hasn't been done before that we haven't seen before? You know, it's been done brilliantly so many ways over the years. And this was something where I, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, that moment, the way it's staged and the way we have Elsa trapped in there with him, I said, that moment's not about Jack. It's not really about the transformation. It's about Elsa. Elsa is at a dead end here. This is a place she came to try and change her life. She was going to sort of shed the, the, the wrongs of the past and try to make a new, a new path for her herself moving forward. 
And of course, she finds herself now in this cage with this werewolf. And that's the end for her. And I'm like, if we ignore that, that's a disservice to Elsa's character. And I wanted to make sure that that was the most important thing in the shot. So while it does start off and you see that shadow happening and you see Gael and you hear all of that stuff happening and he's transforming, you'll notice that the one thing we're really focused on is Elsa, the whole shot. It's all about her and what this is going to be for her. Um, and I thought that would be really interesting. And that was, I boarded it that way from day one. And, and, and we did all of that in camera. Like that's not a visual effect. The only thing that was added in later were the bars of the cage. And that the only reason we had to do that was because of the way that we were projecting the shadow on the wall while we were shooting and moving into her. And so it was being projected on her and you see it in the back and we're pushing in on her and the projector was off to the side. And if we had used the bars, the physical bars that we had, it would have sent the shadows off to a different direction. So we were like, all right, get rid of the bars. We'll add those later. But everything else is real in that shot. You know, uh, and we tried to do that as much as we could throughout the whole film. But, um, yeah, she she really gives an amazing performance in that in that shot. And that's we did it several times. And that's not easy to do, you know, for an actor to just sit there and stare and look terrified and look, you know, uh, for that long. Uh, you know, I have to give it to her. She was such a such a great sport. That is so fascinating. So one thing that fans have really been curious about since the specials come out is are Jack and Ted kind of seen as threats in the MCU or are they just kind of like hiding under the radar in their swamp? Like, what do you think? Well, you mean in terms of people like Captain America and yeah. all of those guys? Like, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, I think the whole point of this was just to say, oh, by the way, monsters actually exist in the MCU, you know, and it's not something we've covered yet but they're here and you know traditionally when you see a monster in the mcu it's just something that comes through that needs to be killed you know and it's like i i, I like i was saying before i was like but let's take a different approach and look at this from a different angle and say you know you know this is the known universe you know the avengers you know all of that but we're going to show you something that we haven't shown you before that actually exists and we haven't really talked about it and it's a very underground kind of a thing so <clears throat> have they ever interacted before I don't know. I don't know. I, I know they all live in the same world together. Um, I have my ideas about what, what has happened outside the boundaries of this particular story, but you know, none of that is, that's just my, for my own reference, my, the way I look at these things. Um, but uh, you know, I don't know in the comics, werewolf by night fights Spider-Man. So I, you assume that they, they, they actually do have, they would have met up at some point. And maybe Spider-Man, you know, maybe Peter Parker is just like, God, that was a weird night. I, you know, that's just a, a story he tells his friends over drinks. Like there was this one time I had to go to San Francisco, <laughs> do this thing. And God, I met this thing that I think is a werewolf. I know it's crazy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're all in the mix. It's just they never the spotlight has not been on them before in the way that we're, we're going to start doing now. Michael, thank you for taking us to Nerd Corner. I am so appreciative <laughs> of that. Um, I see uh, Amit R in the chat. He's been very vocal this entire time. So I'm going to uh -oh. ask your question, guy. Uh, since we've seen Werewolf by Night, you mentioned Captain America, uh, Sam Wilson, New World Order. You, uh, Kevin Feige's like, it's very important that there are monsters now. Will we get you? you would you like to see Cap Wolf? Poor Anthony Mackie. I see you repping New Orleans on your hat. Oh yeah. See you put on the put on the fangs yeah, and stuff no. in the next movie. Um I mean look, <laughs> I have no idea. I, I like that's way above my pay grade. Uh, <laughs> all of those questions, you know. Um you know, I I feel like we were just for this past run just trying to concentrate on this thing. And now's the time to look back and go, all right, where's it go from here? You know, mm -hmm. what do we do with this from here? Uh and whether it shows up in in those movies or other things, I I don't know at this point. I don't know. I don't know. Speaking of where we go from here, my, my last question for you. Yep. Tastes even better when you get to ask a question like this. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh boy! Listen, I'm a huge fan of you, Michael. I've been with. I, I've told you. I, I've. I, I first met your work on Lost. I have a signed Lost pilot script by you downstairs <laughs> in my in my movie room down there. There's a certain Marvel movie that just got an opening for a director. You did such a good job on Werewolf by Night. Would you ever want to direct a movie like Blade? I mean, look, I love Blade. I think that's an amazing, amazing character. It's one of my favorites. Um, uh, but I feel like that thing is already in motion in a way that is like, and I'm and I'm on in motion in other things as well. And it's just sure. there's a whole like you know, 
every you know it's just timing wise is a little crazy so i feel like um you know i want that to be a great movie i want it need you know i want that to be an awesome movie because that character deserves it in a huge way uh but uh yeah right now i mean no <laughs> that's fair that's fair that's fair well listen i hope you i hope we get to see you back in the director's chair sooner oh, yeah. or later because this was awesome work and in the meantime i will continue streaming all of your music and everything you have coming and we're about to transition the show if you haven't watched the she hulk finale yet we're about to start talking she hulk we have an emmy award winner in the house and i think i, I think i checked my facts straight on that one i know i slipped earlier today <laughs> give her my uh, extra but, oscar well peter let's bring out the head writer and executive producer of she hulk and i believe this is the first time you two michael giacchino and jessica gow yeah have met that's right how are you michael you you've got a lot of nerve showing up after what you did (laughs) (laughs) you know that's not the first time i've heard that in my life (laughs) i'm just kidding i'm such such a fan of werewolf by night that was so delightful i loved it so much and it's such a treat to see practical effects in the mcu it's so fun right it's so from top to bottom it was so fun well, congrats to you too on everything you're doing. I, I'm I have a feeling I'm going to be uh, getting spoilers here. I'm only halfway through at this point, but <laughs> oh man, you, you got to get out of here. The life we live, it's 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 all <laughs> you know. I'll I'll live with it. I'll live with it. But congrats on everything. It's really fun. Thank you. Congrats to you too. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much to Michael Giacchino for joining us today. Michael, you are free to close out the browser. We will no longer be in your living room with you. You will be safe to uh, to be off camera. Thank you so much for joining us, dude. It's a huge pleasure to speak with you. Great to talk to you all. Have a great time. Uh, Jessica, good luck with everything else. And uh, congrats on killing it with She-Hulk. And- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And with that, we officially shift to She-Hulk season one. The finale aired this morning. Oh my God, that was like nothing I've ever seen before. Factually, that's not even an opinion. That was like nothing I've ever seen before. Uh, Spoiler alert, I love this finale. Uh, We're going to talk all, we're going to share our opinions and our breakdowns of it next week. But right now, it's all about Jessica Gow joining us, head writer, executive producer of Shield. Jessica, you're a legend. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. What, What a day to be here. Seriously, what a day. What a day. Jenna, you want to kick us off? Yes, absolutely. Um, I know I joked, Jessica, when we met at the premiere that I could talk to you for an hour about She-Hulk, so this will definitely be part of that. Um, (laughs) You've said in previous interviews that when you initially pitched Marvel, it was on the Black Widow movie, and I love the concept that it sounded like you pitched of like a high school reunion, and She-Hulk was a supporting character of that. How did that take on Jen differ from what we ultimately saw on screen with the show? Um, I mean, that was uh, because I was just shoehorning in Jen into a completely different movie that didn't need to involve her. You, there was only a, just a little tiny bit of her. So you wouldn't have gotten like the full breadth of this character. But I mean, she it, had I been able to do it, I mean, she probably would have been pretty close to this character. And then kind of when we did speak at the premiere, you mentioned you were very excited to see the response to the post credit scene of episode one. Um, I know we talked about it at length on the show. Um, Thank you for canonizing that in the MCU. What was your favorite reaction to to that piece of information about Steve Rogers? Oh, so many. I mean, I I just love memes. I just love my favorite thing about making something like this is seeing what people come up with, you know, and um, I, but I mean, I think probably the best moment was when Chris Evans himself <laughs> tweeted about it. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. The the all the post credit scenes were just delightful. It was so fun, and but but and at first we thought maybe we'd get one every episode. We didn't. Was there a reason for that? Was there originally a plan to have one for each episode? No, I mean everything. It all just happened organically, you know. And you know, the, there were. 
kind of those um, later episodes, if they left on kind of a cliffhanger, then it really felt like, I mean, some of those cliffhangers like could have been tags, um, but because they were cliffhangers, it just felt like that's what we should be ending on because that's what you should be thinking about and processing uh, instead of like some additional thing. Were, were you on set? How many times did, did Tatiana have to yell, Captain America, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> a, good, a good handful of times and always with the same amount of glee. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. That's yes. Amazing. Oh, man. Okay, so you introduced so many characters to the MCU. Like, there's, like, Pug and Tatiana, She-Hulk and Melody Book, and then there's other, like, side characters, too, about, like, Mr. Immortal and Mample and Eloquila and, like, so many more. Like, how did you pick the characters? I like to imagine that you guys just had, like, a big dartboard that you spin and were like, ha-ha, yes. <laughs> Wrecking crew. <laughs> well, I mean, we we had a fantastic writing staff made up of like, uh, I would say fifty percent like Marvel super nerds, and then fifty percent just like comedy writers and and TV and season TV writers, you know, which was like a nice mix of people because then there's kind of this checks and balances, um, and the like nerd contingent. Um, really, like we really relied on them to kind of dig through like the comics. And, and it was really fun to see like how everyone clearly had short lists in their brains of like fantasy characters that they would, they always have wanted to see on the screen from comics. And other times, you know, we'd, uh, we'd come up with like a scenario or, um, you know, like if we were like, oh, it'd be really cool if Blonsky's retreat was helping to reform these like very, very street level D-list uh, vil wannabe villains, um, what would be a fun mix of these people? Like go, and then we'd, we'd you know, pull from the comics and try to like figure out like who was gonna go well together, what was gonna be a funny pairing, like Manbull and El Aguila. Um, and then we would also mine all of the movies. So we'd go through all the movies and be like, what's a character that um, either like, oh, we haven't seen a lot of, and it'd be really fun to explore them more, or, or like, what's a character that we could think of a very funny reason they would be in legal trouble? Um, because everything was very like character-based, you know? So it has to be, we didn't want to ever like make it feel like we shoehorned in a character because we because we just needed to. Um, so every time somebody's on the show, it's for a very specific like character-based reason. So another character who you got involved in every sense of the word in this show was Matt Murdock. Uh, <laughs> when you guys first landed on the idea that Daredevil and She-Hulk were going to Hulk smash, uh, what, what, like, what's the reaction in the writer's room? Does that go up to Kevin? Does that like have to like, what I'd love to hear about how that conversation goes. And if people are like, wait, can we do that? Is it just all go all, all green lights? Uh, yeah, I think we probably spent the entire day just screaming at the top of our lungs <laughs> at each other in the writer's room in delight. And um, I'm, you know, in, in my experience there, it's always kind of, uh, it's kind of carte blanche. You can, you can pitch anything, you know, there's no limits to what you can pitch. It's just whether or not they say yes or no. And, um, and I never know if they're going to say yes or no. I've been surprised more times than I can count. So, so it was just one of those, like, this delighted us. We spent an entire afternoon screaming in delight, like a bunch of, you know, teen girls. And then we, and then we, you know, submitted it and everyone was cool with it. So then we screamed for another full day because everybody was cool with it. <laughs> do you, do you, do you remember like uh, you're the first time you talked to Charlie Cox? Cause I know he loves mm -hmm. playing this character. What was it like to kind of be part of the bringing him back into this fold? It, it was such an unexpected delight because I had no idea what the plan was for this character, you know, and, you know, in the same sentence that we were told we could use Daredevil that he was on the table, we were also told that it would be Charlie Cox. And so that was this like one, two punch of like information that we just had to like process in the moment. Um, and he's so wonderful. Like he's, he has such reverence for the character and such love for this character that is like such a part of him. Um, but he was also like so open and game to like having fun and just, I mean, truly like the perfect guest, you know, like he came in, he was ready to have fun. He was open to everything. He, um, and he killed it. And also like, you can't fake the kind of chemistry he has with Tatiana, like incredible chemistry. 
we we're listen i think i speak for all of us here we we're here for it we ship it we're we're on board <laughs> I, I also I, I you know i see like I, I i see on twitter people are like daredevil smiling i'm i'm furious i'm furious daredevil smiling i thought what you guys did with matt murdoch was great i loved it and i know that the, the the netflix show was obviously very dark very violent and on this show i think you phrased it as they get to heroes get to come here it's kind of like a comedy vacation yeah it doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> change the character they just get to do something different but i would love yeah. to have to like have any of like what was on the netflix show in mind or did you just get to kind of write it and say like this is like a whole new version of the character or was that not even a conversation that you guys had to have it wasn't really a conversation we had. We were basically just told like, pitch us what you want to do and we'll say yes or no. You know, and that's kind of how everything is run there. It's just pitch mm -hmm. us what you want to do and we'll we'll tell you what you can and what you can't do. I thought you guys did a great job. I just have to Thank say you. I thought, I thought this was a great version of Matt Murdock. <laughs> yeah, because you know, like even if a character is like dark and brooding, like you gotta think in their entire lifetime, in the 24 hours a day, there's gotta be moments where they crack a smile. I'm with you. I'm with oh you. Oh my god. Um, so let's talk about that finale. So Kevin, right? Uh, did he voice himself? Like, was that like the boss man? I hear he had issues with the hat that you guys had to redesign the hat. So give, give me, give me what what how did you guys think of K-E-V-I-N, the notorious himself? We went <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, we we went through. I mean, we I went through so many versions of this finale, but um, and I don't remember what kicked it off. But I remember pitching like that She-Hulk. You know, because the show is so meta, and it was always going to be about breaking the fourth wall, and a uh, and you know, it was always so inspired by the Burn Run, where she had opinions about her story, where she wanted to actively you know, yell at the, her creators and, and change things when she didn't like what was going on. Um, uh, I think I, I pitched uh, that she goes to uh, the, you know, the Marvel Studios, the Disney lot, and to go speak to Kevin. And, um, and I initially pitched that, uh, you know, she goes into, she, you know, she goes through like all the security and then find, and then goes into his office and we stunt cast it with like, you know, a super handsome debonair, like a George Clooney or like a John Han in like a tuxedo and like drinking a martini. And that was Kevin. And, um, and then I was like, wait, no, it should be, she gets through all the security and, um, and then you get in and it's this like Akira style, giant AI brain. And that's like pulsing and that's Kevin. And then I was like, wait, I can even beat that pitch. We get through all the security. We go into a room. And there's a throne, and there's just a little puppy on the on a pillow, and, <laughs> and then Zeb Wells just lost his mind and started screaming, jumped out of his seat, started screaming at me, and was like, "What are we talking about here? Kevin's a puppy? What are we doing here?" And that was when I knew I went too far, and I was like, "Okay, we'll just we'll just do the the last pitch." I had I had to keep pushing it. I had to keep pushing it, and I needed someone to tell me that was too far. Um, but that is not Kevin's voice. Um, that is a voice actor we used. Uh, Kevin, uh, we, we campaigned very hard for Kevin to do the voice and he refused. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. oh my gosh. Oh, that's the best thing I'm going to hear today. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. so, and, so uh, yes, we did get in a fight over the hat because, uh, in the script, in the script, it says, you know, she Hulk enters this inner sanctum and there is this huge like Akira like you know you know HAL 9000 like type of AI machine um, and that's K-E-V-I-N and the and it says in the script and the machine is wearing a little black baseball cap on, on top <laughs> and um, and the visual uh, uh, the previous team you know had started mocking up all different kinds of versions of Kevin's and they all had a little, you know, had a little black baseball cap on top. And then Ke real Kevin um, says uh, he, he, you know, he gave his notes on what he liked and what he didn't like of the designs. But then he finally goes, he goes, you can't have the, it doesn't make any sense why a machine would wear a baseball hat. And I was like, <laughs> Kevin, 
That's the logic problem you have with all of this. The character (laughs) comes into the real world, breaks into Marvel. You are a machine, and your logic, what you can't, the disbelief you can't suspend is that there would be a baseball hat resting on top of this machine. And he was like, yeah, I can't. That doesn't make any sense. I, I won't do it. You know, you can't do it. And and I was so furious. I said, and this is in a meeting with like 20 different people. <laughs> and I said, Kevin, if you don't let me put a hat on that machine, then I quit. <laughs> and, and then Kevin goes, for a second, he goes, thank you very much, Jessica. You've done a lot of great work for us. We're sad to see you go. <laughs> and then... Sweet Jackson Z uh, from Previs, uh, ever the mediator and hard worker, um, gently suggested, like, what if they incorporate into the design of the machine something that would read as a baseball hat? And it was, and then Kevin was like, oh, I'm okay with that. As long as if it's part of the machine, of course, then that makes all the sense. And so that was our, that was our compromise. And I didn't have to quit over a hat on a little robot. Honestly, so much props to you. So much Seriously. props to you. That's the best story we've ever had on the show. <laughs> you are my hero. I am in awe. So so you mentioned the burn run. Obviously, she breaks the fourth wall in so many amazing ways in that run. Um, and I know one of the, the huge like components of that is Wheezy. Um, I think I've been wanting to ask you literally since I first started watching the show is, did you ever consider introducing Wheezy at any point in season one? Um, briefly, but really, like, um, there were just so many other characters, like, the cast was starting to get really full, you know, so I really just focused on, like, the core characters that we had. You know, we got, um some some good cameos in this in this episode. Uh, We got Kevin and Matt, but I think uh, the big biggest cameo of all you. I, what was that I like? did not I did not want to be in the show. Um <laughs> I don't I don't want uh really gave me a taste of my own medicine. Um but uh, I don't I don't enjoy being on camera and also I'm a terrible actor. Uh and it was actually uh Kevin Feige who uh pitched that She-Hulk first goes to the writers room and argue because originally I just wanted her to go straight to Kev straight to the source, you know, like that's what we want to see, Kevin Feige. Um, but he suggested that uh, she first go to the writer's room. And so I was like, okay, great. Then I'll, you know, then I'll write these writer characters, but we'll have real actors play them. Um, and we we shot this, you know, during like the height of COVID. Um, and so it was still like very scary to be around people because it was like vaccines had just come out. So like, you know, not everybody was even was vaccinated, like, you know, people were st- like still trying to get their like first shot. So it was kind of like, you know, it was very tight, uh, tightly, um, like health and safety was being tightly monitored, you know, on sets. And um, when we were shooting that scene the day before, so there's kind of like a lot of protocol for like background, anyone who was gonna be on set, like they had a test, you know, a certain amount and a certain t- uh, length of time before being on a set. And um, and because I was on set every day, I was testing every day. And the day before we shot that scene, they were like, "We need one more background person," and there wouldn't have, there wasn't going to be enough time um, to to like find a new background actor and then have them tested. But but this guy was available, <laughs> and so so I had to step in, and um, I did so very reluctantly. But what was cool was that two other actual writers from the show. We're in that. Uh, we're in that scene. Zeb Wells and Cody Ziegler. Kevin took one look at that hat negotiation conversation and said, "She's getting a cameo." <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make her do the one thing she doesn't want. To do. <laughs> this is this is how we get even. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to read the next question directly as it is in our notes, and it is just <laughs> this is Madison. Yo, <laughs> Patty Guggenheim, the legend who came on our show and had a great time, and my and, and we wanted her to have a drink in hand. How does it feel to have the breakout character of Phase Four premiering your show? Oh, I and here's the thing: everybody <laughs> knew it was going to be her. Like everybody knew she was going to be the breakout character. Everybody who worked on the show was like, "I can't wait till episode four because like." 
the world is going to find out that we we have the greatest character in the entire MCU. She is so funny. I mean, she really, really killed it, but also made that character her own. Um, I can't say enough good things about her. She's so amazing. And like, I mean, truly, even at the premiere, I was like, I was like, oh God, I can't wait till everybody sees her. So so kind of going back to the finale, um, I do have to ask about one line that's already breaking the internet. Um, Jen kind of acknowledges, save it for the movie when talking about some kind of Hulk family stuff. Um, are you guys kind of laying the groundwork for something? Is there something that you guys are going to try to tell us? Or is, is that an announcement that Kevin's going to make at a later date? <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to break into Marvel and ask K-E-V-I-N. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> I, I will see, I will ask, um, and I'll I'll put a second part on this in a way I think you might be able to answer, but because the question I have for you is, can you tease at all what project you may have been collaborating with or influenced by for the post credit scene on today's episode, the finale where Wong shows up, he takes abomination through a portal. I have seen Wong take abomination through portals into another project twice now. And I'm always asking where they're going. And uh, I'd love to hear if you can, was there another project that influenced that or just in general, was there another project you found yourself, you know, talking to producers or writers and making sure things line up or you guys were filming beside them and just having a cool experience, you know, seeing what they're doing. Uh, for that tag, it, um, it was just because, uh, you know, when we wrote the season, like it, it really started feeling like, Oh, like Blonsky and Jen kind of have this like real relationship, you know, they, they have this kind of tense, but like, thing that kind of turns into friendship. I mean, he really genuinely does help her at the retreat, you know, like you know, say what you will about what else he's been doing and what things, the the bad things he's been doing and what he shouldn't be doing. But like, like what he did at the retreat was genuine and that was real, you know, and those guys really all cared about and helped Jen at the retreat. So like, there is this kind of new level of trust between them. And, um, and also that was such an, intimate experience for someone, for people to go through together that they are kind of bonded from that moment. And so, um, and you know, and in the end, even if it took her going to Kevin to ask for Blonsky to kind of take some accountability, he still does. And uh, and he kind of does the right thing by, you know, turning himself in. So um, it felt like, well, you know, we should give him a, a little bit of a reward for that. Like, we don't want to see him languish in prison after all of that. Um, and that was really the thought is we wanted him, we, we didn't want to leave him there in prison. I dig it. I and, personally and was so Wong relieved. A legend. <laughs> <laughs> He's gets to be with his soulmates now, you know? Yeah. I actually, Jamie, sorry, I know the next question is you, but one thing I for, I realized we forgot to put in here is the introduction of a major character at the very end here is Scar, Hulk's son. Uh, I, I would, if there's, what was it like to introduce a character like that? And did an act, was there an actor whose face that was modeled? Was that just a young Mark Ruffalo? Or did you guys have somebody who had to be cast as that? Uh, I don't, uh, uh, real Kevin um, uh, approved uh, the, the entire design of Scar. Um, okay. And it was real Kevin who uh, wanted Scar to, to be revealed at the end of the, of the show. So like, I mean, truly like, like that entire uh, inner sanctum scene between She-Hulk and Kevin mir completely mirrors my relationship with Kevin. And a lot of that conversation is taken from my conversations with Kevin. So like, so it, it's very fitting that real life Kevin, just like K-E-V-I-N has uh, moved some pieces in the show and dictated like what goes in the show. I love how Actually. we're calling him a real Kevin now. It's never going to go away. No, yeah. It's like Kurt Angle's theme song. It's just, no. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Wrestling we got a reference. fan question next uh, from Aisha at Evans Larson's. Uh, here we go. Wants to know, with She-Hulk breaking the fourth wall in an insane way in the show's finale, uh, does she... It, like she does in the comics. Do you think that concept might return when Jen returns? Because we're going to see Jen uh, in future projects uh, and or interacting with other characters. So if she, if we see Jen in a non-Shiel project, is she? Could we still see her breaking that fourth wall? Uh, that I don't know. I mean, you know, if she's in a, a non-She-Hulk project uh, and someone else is at the helm, then uh, you know, I mean, I think that would be between them and and real Kevin. Um, <laughs> But I do want to give Real Court Kevin some credit in that um, he was the one who came up with the idea that she comes out of the Disney Plus menu. 
Um, that was all real Kevin. Goes into assembly. Look, Look, the guy's got, I don't know if this is a shot to anyone, but the guy's got great ideas. <laughs> I mean, wow. This finale was so, like, you guys did such a good job addressing things that people say, things that, like, I mean, it, it, and the, the, the Disney Plus banner was, like, pretty up to date, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like, how late in the game were you guys working on this final episode? Uh, I mean, the entire, we shot the show last year. So, um, wow. yeah, we, we shot the entire show like over a year ago now. So, um, I mean, there's always like little tiny little reshoots, you know, here and sure, there, sure. but like we shot the entire season last year. So that's how long wow. ago it was. Yeah. That's, you guys, that's, you guys are predicting the, you guys are good. You guys are good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we have, I have one more question from Twitter. This is from Max at get fun code. Max, I think I met you at New York comic-con this weekend. What's up, man. Uh, do the events of the She-Hulk finale make her the most powerful character in the MCU? She can rewrite <laughs> history in theory. I mean, it's true. She, you know, she is the only one who got to meet the creator. But you'll notice at the end of that conversation, he said she wasn't going to be able to access him again because uh, they fixed that glitch on their platform. Mm. We're all in a simulation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to end with this. Um, in a couple times in the finale, there's kind of a mention of season two. Um, I know initially mm -hmm. you said that you wrote as if this would be the only season, trying to offer like a complete ending. Um, but have you and the team at Marvel Studios started mm -hmm. talking about a season two yet? I feel like uh, this must be what it feels like for my for people who have had kids. Like this is how my <laughs> friends with kids describe like when they have their first baby. And then everybody's like, are you going to have another kid? And they're like, I literally just gave birth. I'm in labor and delivery. I just gave birth. I'm still on a hospital bed. Give me a second. And that's how I feel right now. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. We'll we want an yeah. army of your babies. <laughs> oh, my God. Jessica, thank you so much for taking the time on a day like today. You guys just released the finale. It is. It means so much that you'd come spend time with us today to talk about it. I hope you had as much fun as we did, because for nine weeks, we've been having fun talking about She-Hulk on this show. I know Jenna is over the moon. Jenna is the biggest She-Hulk fan I know. <laughs> So, and if, if it gets her approval, as far as I'm concerned, that's the ultimate W. And I just think you guys did such a good job. So uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, if you have any, any last words for, for today's show, I wanted to give you the floor to say goodbye to the Phase Zero audience. Well, I just want to say thank you, everybody, for watching. Um, it's Seeing the response has been so wonderful. Um, and I'm just so happy that it's done. <laughs> Oh, oh, actually, I'm getting a message from Jim from his jail cell. This is in all caps. It said, don't you ignore me. And then he tagged me. So he said, ask her what it was like to say X-Men out loud for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, we're, we're a bunch of fans and uh, we wanted to speak for the fans. We knew what you guys wanted to ask. We heard it. We heard it. They're, they're coming eventually, everybody. Right now, it's all about <laughs> She-Hulk and Werewolf by Night. This yeah. was an epic episode of Phase Zero. Thank you to Jessica for joining us. Thank you to Michael Giacchino for joining us. Congratulations to both of you on incredible work. We are huge fans of your work, and it means the world that we get the opportunity to talk with you all about it. So can't thank you enough. And everybody who's listening at home, thumbs up on YouTube, subscribe, five-star reviews, all that good stuff so we can keep doing stuff like this in the future, supporting these projects, getting your questions answered. We love doing this as much as you love watching it. And uh, it means more that we could do it with people like you, Jessica Gow. We are huge fans, so thank you, everybody. On Thanks that for note, having me. Yeah, you can. You can if you are free to close out. I think we may take a minute just to take catch our breath and talk about how awesome this was. <laughs> uh, and we will, uh, we will, we will send you on your way. Thank you so much for being All here. Right. Thank you to Mark. Thanks, everyone. Up, and, Bye. Uh, we'll Bye. talk to you soon. What an epic episode! What? Oh my god! Oh my oh. goodness! The uh, double feature. Wow. Oh my wow. gosh. Okay. Wow. That was awesome. <laughs> this is our Honestly, life. Okay. I love Michael Giacchino, but I do have to say the She Hulk guests are the best guests every they are. time. Yes. Today we had two best guests. They were yes. both amazing, but consistently, the people from She Hulk, Steve Coulter, Patty Guggenheim, uh, Josh Segarra, who have we had? Uh, we may have had uh, some, uh, more no. than that. No. I'm, yeah. I, I just got oh. off a plane. I've been up all since 3 a.m. <laughs> Listen, that was these, these She Hulk people are awesome. They are, they are consistently awesome. 
Oh, Jenna, how you feeling? It's over. I, I like I, I was so sad last night. I was like, oh, my God, we're nearing the end of the, the She-Hulk era. But it's like I, I'm hoping against hope we'll get a season two. It definitely seems like they're not discounting it based on the the text of the finale itself. And just like what a way to end the season. This was by far my favorite like finale of any superhero related thing. This was just outstanding. I I'm just so happy. Oh, my gosh. And keep an eye on the Phaser YouTube channel because I will be doing a bunch of She-Hulk interviews um tomorrow that will then be running on the channel very soon so very Let's excited about who, who, yeah. who are you talking to who are you talking uh, to tomorrow tatiana maslani you know oh oh yeah. let's go yes and, and and jessica again i get to talk to jessica ah, by yes. myself for like friends. yeah i know i know and I'm, I'm just very excited and and panicking slightly as i always do before interviews but be i'm very excited yeah oh my gosh well <sighs> listen thank you guys thank the three of you for being awesome uh co-hosts that was those are super fun interviews we keep getting better at this guys we just keep getting better and better at doing these interviews together this is awesome before we know we're gonna be uh hopefully we have uh we have our own little live recording at comic-con or something part of me half expected when they got into the real world that they would like someone would be listening to a podcast that would vaguely sound like ours i was like oh my god can you imagine (laughs) like that would be cool to get to that point (laughs) that was this was a great show yeah and uh like I listen, I came, I came, uh, sorry that there was like a, I had a little hiccup at the top of the show. I tweeted the wrong link. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm slurping down coffee because I've been up <laughs> since 4 a.m. I went to the Black Adam premiere last night. The movie was great, by the way. We could talk about Black Adam next week too. Uh, and just raced here to get ready. Mom's bag took a while at baggage claim. Oh. I got home a little late, but, but we made it. We made it. You did it. All right. Yes. Your mom yes. smuggled Dwayne Johnson home with y'all. <laughs> Good time, Mama BD. Yeah. <laughs> I thought. My mom was never gonna let him go. <laughs> I'm gonna, sh- I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna pull the up a video. Pictures are adorable. They're yeah, just so cute. Really I, I loved her reaction video. Yeah. What's your favorite it's- part? The kid. <laughs> I was like, well, she was talking about Noah Centineo all night, and then all of a sudden she said the kid, and I was like, who are you talking about? The- Noah's not a kid. <laughs> Look at this. Look at this. She would not oh. let the man go. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. No, this was great. It was awesome. All right. No. And uh, listen, uh, my mom, I I had to, I had to plug my mom on the show because she, I'm so happy she had a good night. Okay. I'm just rambling on. We've run long. This was a fantastic show on next week's show. We will dive into werewolf by night, you know, Easter eggs. I think we'll get Adam Barnhart involved. I I felt terrible not having Adam Barnhart on here today, but it, it does get crowded when we're all trying to squeeze questions in. So we'll get Adam Barnhart on here to talk about Werewolf by Night with us. We will be talking about She-Hulk Season 1 as a whole, Easter eggs, reactions, spoiler alert. It sounds like we all really liked it. And we have uh, plenty more. There is there is more to talk about. There is no way, way we're going to just move on without talking about <laughs> So, uh, Jamie, any last words for today's show? Yeah, all I want to say is that Jenna says it every week, and I finally listened. I finally yes. started reading She-Hulk comics. Yes. And let me tell you, I'm so glad I did before this finale because it, it enriched the experience even more. I think it is genuinely the best finale Disney Plus has ever done. Uh, and I just want to thank Jenna for uh, for pushing us all to, to do. I don't want to call it homework because it's <laughs> the most fun I've had reading something in a really long time. Good work, Jenna. And any parting words for today's our, our um, final She-Hulk new episode show? Just echoing what Jamie said, go read some comics. The the collection that she was just holding, Vanna White style, the epic collection subtitled Breaking the Fourth Wall is the perfect entry point to everything that was in this episode. If you want to see her break the fourth wall even further and literally like run through the ads of a Marvel Comics issue, it, it, it check it out. It's it's one of my favorite like kind of entry points for the character. So yeah, I'm just so happy. This was such an amazing episode. <laughs> Aaron, what you got for us? Um, so it's at some like corner on Twitter. I'm so happy. I, I almost woke up the house like during <laughs> episode because I kept going, what? What is <laughs> happening? So I am happy that we all got to experience that apart from each other. Uh, VD, they're concerned about you in the comments. If you blink twice, yeah. they think that you already might know something that like <laughs> your Fantastic Four outfit, there might be a Nova outfit back there in the background somewhere, <laughs> zooming in hands. Also, I think I'm going to name our dog uh, Real Kevin. Yeah. (laughs) Real Kevin. That's hilarious. Uh, That was a fantastic show. Everybody's got their favorite character now. Jamie's got Scarlet Witch. Jenna got She-Hulk. Aaron, who is your favorite character? I I think I'm a Captain America Sam Wilson fan. Sam Wilson, right? That's what I thought. Yeah. I'm the only one left. Oh. 
Mm. For well, now. For it's now. It's in the news. Oh, he, right, he, he broke the fourth wall. Quick run. All right, y'all. <laughs> That's a great way to end it. We will talk to you one week from today. I think we're going to push back an hour because there's no need There's no need to be doing this so early. Jamie and Aaron can get Jamie. that extra hour of sleep for the yes. live show. If you're listening in podcast form, it doesn't really matter to you. But we will have fun Thursdays at, well, I think, 1 p.m. Eastern time. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Subscribe to the channel and turn on notifications so you always know. See you there.